So uh, 2 Corinthians 11.30. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and the Father, the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Arteus had the city of Damascus guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in the basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heavens. Whether it is in the body or out of body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in body or apart from body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up in paradise and heard inexpressive things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast a man that I will not, but I will not boast about myself except my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surprisingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a message from Satan to, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, um, over three years ago, I stood on the stage, and uh, we announced that we were planting this Harbour Southwest London vineyard into Kennington, this new kind of church, kind of expression of the kingdom that would be kind of connected and linked here, and we would still be part of the family, but kind of going out and trying this thing in Kennington. And um, before I went, we were, had this e we were doing this evening service, and a guy stood up and he said he had a picture for one of the staff team, and he said he saw them standing on like this edge of a cliff, and they're getting closer and closer to the edge of the cliff, until they jumped. And as they jumped off, they fell, and they fell into the waters, and they were lost in the waters. And his hand reached in and grabbed them and pulled them out and put them in a boat. And opposite in the boat was Jesus, and he rowed me across the water uh, to land where there were people waiting. And that was something that I held on to so tightly as we went out planting. Um, and it's a beautiful image, and it's a fantastic promise. But it is a terrifying reality. And at one point, um, it seemed like church planting was the only thing I wanted to do. Like, I was eight, when I was 18, I thought I was called to church planting. And around that time, it seemed like really in vogue. Like, everyone I talked to was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go church planting. Everyone, I want to be a church pastor. Everyone wanted to do it. Or was that or, like, be the worship leader? It was like, the, you know, superstar worship leader or, like, awesome church planter, something, like, remote and really hard. Those are the two things people wanted. Um, and I came on staff at South Carolina Vineyard and was quickly dissuaded of the illusion of the glamorous lifestyle of church leadership. You're lovely. Like, I love all of you, but it's not glamorous. And I had dreamt of church planting and, and leading a church and, and searching, like, God, what am I called to? Who am I? Who have you made me to be? What am I meant to do with my life? And I thought it was church planting. And I, in my mind, I was going to um, go to America 
and probably to Anaheim, the holy land of the vineyard. And I was going to uh, probably marry a lumberjack, bearded man in flannel. And we were going to have some kids. And uh, I'd move home before they started to call me mom instead of mum, and it'd be fine. And we'd plant a church because that's what you do in the vineyard as couples. You have kids, and then you start a church. That's how it goes. And suddenly I found myself 27 and single, no lumberjack in sight, just moved out of home and in London. And I thought, who in their right mind would let me plant? Like, that's crazy. I wrote in my journal once that I thought I was called a church planting, but I mixed up the letters. So in case my journal happened to fall over on that page and anyone read it, they wouldn't laugh at me. And I spent years thinking about calling and praying for London and crying over London and dreaming of church planting and thinking, when, God, when? And then three years ago, the moment came. And I was like, I'm here. This is it. I'm a church planter. I've made it. I'm there. And so I jumped. And jumping's great, but then you start to fall a little. And then it feels a lot like plummeting, and then it's crashing into waves and water. And that first year, I did all the things you're meant to do as a church planter. I did all the things that they tell you at the church planting school. And I did gathering events, and I did vision nights in the, in the local pub, and we did handouts and giveaways. We prayed on the streets. Um, we, had, we went to local pub quizzes, we ran events, and I started to gather people who might want to come with me. And uh, it was a dream team. It was people who I had on my list of people that I wanted to come with me, if only it would happen. And they came to me, and I'm like, we want to come with you. And I was like, oh, no way, this is amazing. Like, God's so in this. And, um, and so we were doing all these things, and it started to didn't feel very right. It didn't feel like it was really working. It didn't feel like we were gelling. It didn't... People weren't able to find jobs. It didn't seem to be coming together. And so I prayed a somewhat bold but foolish prayer of, God, if this isn't what you want, would you shut it down? And he did. Like, all the way down. Like, there's nothing. There's no one. It was just me. People couldn't find jobs. People said it wasn't for them. People moved to other cities. Um, and all the things I thought I was meant to do weren't working. I did all uh, the shoulds. And, uh, of church planting. All the things I got taught that were like really great perhaps if you were a married couple or a family or planting in a suburban location or in a, diff- in a town, but not quite right for a single woman planting in an urban, set- in a se- in urban center with young professionals. So a year later, I came off staff here. I'd been on staff here for seven years and I grew up in this church and it was my home and it was a hard thing to do and to leave. And I had no plans, they'd all been ripped up. And I had no job, I didn't know where I was gonna pay the bills. And I had no team, and it was me. And it was Jesus in a boat. And so I got a job at the local sandwich shop, so a friend of a friend knew someone on this particular road that I'd had been praying about, and I started making sandwiches, because you gotta pay the bills. And then I, uh, right next door to it was a German pub that I used to drink at when I first moved back to London from uni. And we were prayer walking a few, like a year ago, and this girl had been like, oh, I think I'm going to do something in that pub. And I was like, oh, maybe like a church group in a pub or like an event, and just being very Christian about it. And God was like, well, like, get a job and pour some pints. (laughs) Ever practical, is the Lord. And it made no sense to me. It seemed to be going backwards. I was like, this is not how church planting's meant to be. But, you know, his ways are not my ways, and his thoughts are high above, and I trusted that the Lord knew what he was doing, and it turned out he did. 
Serving in a community, pouring pints, and making sandwiches was the best way to get to know my community. You, um, the, in the mornings, I would make bacon butties and pour mix at cups of tea, and I make sandwiches at lunchtime and pour pints and serve schnitzel in the evening. And you get to see people, and you get to see the faces of people, and you get to know their stories. You get to be able to stop in Tesco's and chat to people and wave at people on the streets and uh, finally have connections in your community. I knew who were the office workers in the suits, who were the mums, who were the addicts, who was in the local football league. I got to know my streets. And I earned a place in my community. I didn't come in with any big plans and big ideas and think, I'm here. Are you ready for me? I'm going to change this area. I came in and I served. I served the people. And um, I offered bread and wine, and not the way that I'd anticipated on a Sunday. But it was beautiful. And I still had no idea what I was doing. And there were days when I prayed for my colleagues behind the bar, and uh, often they nearly, they've never gotten healed. Like, no one's gotten healed. In fact, we've gotten worse. But I prayed for them. And in those moments, I felt like, oh, I'm doing like proper church planting stuff. I'm praying for people. This is like the real deal here. Because years of doing church made me think, I have to produce something. Like, I've got to be doing something to make this seem official. I've got to like, put on a prayer meeting. We've got to do a gathering. We have to do something so I can have something to show people, to be like, hey, we're doing church. I've produced it. There's something right here. You can see it. Um, but I didn't often feel that way. And so I was running a South, the small group that we run here. I was running one of those in Kennington uh, just kind of to remind myself what I was doing and to kind of gather some people to see if anyone would want to hang around a bit more with me. And uh, we went to roller discos and we hopped on Boris bikes and we went prayer bike riding and we had pancake parties and people came and they didn't stay. And we grew a little and it happened slowly and I still didn't know what I was doing. And it was still just me and Jesus in a boat. And I was trying to do the things that I felt God was calling me to do and what he wanted me to do versus the things I thought I should do. And I like to be good at things. Like, I really like to do things well. And I like to get the job done and I want to deliver. And when you feel like you've dreamt about something for years and you feel like it's your calling and it's an identity, failing at it is a nightmare. And it's crushing and I would think, am I failing because I'm a woman? Am I failing because I'm single? Am I failing because I don't have the right team? Maybe if I was married, if I had a team, if uh, I was a man, if I had theological training, maybe it, that would be the answer. And I had to give myself a bit of a break because I'm only one person and there's only 24 hours in a day and not 48. And uh, if people come and meet me in, like Kennington, it's really just me. And if they don't like me, then... There's no one else to like, really. <laughs> and I was working two to four jobs to pay the bills, and that's pretty tiring, and you're running around trying to connect with people, and there's a certain number of hours to read books and plan and have all the answers. And so I wanted to be this person full of unwavering certainty. But when the trappings of church and the structure that I was used to was stripped away, I wasn't quite so sure. And I felt in the middle of all of this, in all of this change, I felt that God went quiet on me. And I felt that he broke promises that he had made. 
And things that I longed and hoped for, he didn't appear. And I had to grieve those things. And I had to sit in confusion and doubt. And it's really hard to try and lead people when you don't really know what you're doing. And you don't know where God is. And you don't really know if he's speaking. And you don't know where you are. To say, come with me into this place of I don't know. And so I had to get comfortable with questions and doubt and uncertainty and grief and learn about mystery and hope and resurrection and restoration. And I think for that, Kennington is a place where that's okay too. So it was painful to have my dreams die and painful to have excitations crushed and pride broken. It's painful to fall and fail and pick yourself back up and keep going. So in the midst of this, I met the struggling Jesus. In the midst of confusion, I found the one who says, calls me my love and allures me to the desert to speak kindly to me and asks me to call him love and not Lord. I met the mother who gathers me to her and sits me under her wing. I met my father who gives me daily bread. I met Jesus weeping with me at the tomb and at the garden of my resurrection. And it was for him and for his glory. And so it's me and it's Jesus in a boat. And so in July uh, 2014, 19 months after announcing we're going to church planting and seven months after coming off of staff, this guy contacted me on Facebook. And he was like, hi, I've heard about your church. I was wondering if you'd come along. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Like, like we, we'd love you to. Uh, there's like four of us, but we have like, this great time, the four of us. And it's a like, really great Tuesday night, the four of us. Have I mentioned the four of us just to get your expectations set? And um, he came along and he was like, oh, this is really great. What are we going to do on Sunday? And I was like, yeah, cool. Yes, yeah, Sundays. What do we do on Sundays? <laughs> So I brought him here, because <laughs> I don't know what I was going to do, um, which is great. And I, when he left the flat, I danced. I don't know if you've seen that film in Love Actually, where she's like, like that bit, everything in it. Like, I was like that. Like, he left, and I was like, someone came, and he doesn't even know me, and he liked it, and he might come back again. It's amazing. So we brought him. He came to Southwest, and um, he filled out a connect card, and I was like, Kennington Vineyard. It's like, hands off. <laughs> People went... Seriously, I know what you're like. People were coming up to him and being like, oh, you should come to our small group. I was like, I have one person. You have all the people. Leave him to me. Anyway, it was really helpful because Joanna told everyone we met on the internet. And I was like, great, thanks. <laughs> and so then that September, like a whole group of us came on the Southwest Sunday Vineyard Newcomers Weekend. And for me, that was a moment where I was like, oh, we're like Kennington Vineyard. And Neil invited us to kind of share the stories, and I shared my story, and you guys prayed over us, and we prayed for you, and it was like, oh, this is, we're Kenny V. We wear shorts in winter, and we're here. Like, this is great. And um, it was amazing. So I've been at conferences where people would be like, what church are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm from Kennington Vineyard. And they're like, are you, are you all your church here? I was like, yep. <laughs> Fully percent present. So it's amazing to go somewhere and be like, there's people and we're here. And so it's been about, that was about 15 months ago. And it's beginning to feel like there's this thing that's Kennington Vineyard. And it's a bit of a core team doubled. We're around like 12 of us now. And it feels like there's this momentum and a sense of commitment and a sense of a group of people with a shared purpose. 
And I just, I love it. Oh, don't, I'm not going to cry. I love our guys. I love Kington Minute, guys. I think they're the best people on the planet. Like, I love living life with them. They are the most fun people. And I kind of learn, I go, how are they following me? They are, like, the best people. They are intelligent and passionate and creative. They're so fun. And they say, like, surround yourself with the best that I have, like... The best for sure. And it's beautiful. And so, but, you know, it's great to stand here and get the applause and feel like, yeah, we're, we're a real church. Look at us, we're a real church. We've made it, I promise. I promise we're a real church. But our aim is not to be this great big church or to have a big service. And really, it's not even really church planting. It's kingdom planting. It's what they said in the video. It's the kingdom of God. Someone said that we weren't planting a service, we were planting a spirit in a community. And I was like, yes, love that. The aim is for the restoration of London to the God's rule and reign that reflects him and the world to come. We want to bring life and colour to Kennington, this little village in London, that we want to see it changed. That people are falling in love with God and being transformed in his likeness and equipped to bring transformation to the city. And the byproduct of that it's a community of believers following his way in the church. We want to be part of that in all places that we go. To experience Jesus in his life and transformation and give that away to the people around us. To engage him as we follow him. And so a lot of that looked like having to work out what counted. Like what counted as kingdom planting. And uh, when I was doing church, when I was thinking about church planting, I was like, I'm not doing enough of the stuff. I've got to be doing more of the stuff that looks like church. And the great thing about kingdom planting was like, it all counts. Like everything counts. Because everywhere I go, I carry the spirit of God and I can intentionally engage my community and it all counts. So the days when I pray for people count and the days that I don't pray count. The days where I'm just speaking blessing or just uh, being encouraging to my colleagues counts. The days where it's just paying the bills and I just show up counts. Because I need to pay the bills and I've got to pay the rent. Going for coffee with a colleague counts. Staying out late and talking to the barman at your local counts. Going to your local shop instead of the supermarket counts. Talking to the cashier counts. Going to your local barista's leaving party counts. Handing out roses on Valentine's Day counts. It all counts. And we, I stand here and we talk about church planting Sunday. But we are all kingdom planters. We all plant the kingdom of God wherever we go. And there are things in all of our lives that we don't think count that God is using for the restoration and for his glory, and it counts. So um, what does that look like currently? What does it look like for Killington Vineyard at the moment? We've got a little video. Because like, some of the guys are here and some of us aren't, and so we kind of did a little, like, it's a bit, you know, rough and ready, but it gives you a little bit of a flavor of us. Have you got it? Hi. My name is Josh. I live in Kennington. Hi, I'm Joanna and I go to Kennington Vineyard. I'm Julia and I've been at Kennington Vineyard for about a year. Okay, so I really love Kennington Vineyard. Hi, I'm Lucy. I've been part of Kennington Vineyard since about September, October. So. Or Kenny B. So my name is Salome. I just recently joined the Kennington <laughs> Vineyard. Or K Scott, depending on uh, how you call it. I go to Kennington Vineyard 
Kennington Vineyard is here. I absolutely love Kennington Vineyard. I absolutely love it. What I love about Kennington is family. What I really loved about it is that I was so welcomed. Everybody would talk to me and would be interested, would be so kind. It's a way of finding community in a big city. It's got brilliant people. I love that uh, we're nearish each other. I mean, on a London scale, we're pretty close. And a fantastic leader in Rowena. We eat and drink a lot together. Both of those things are good. Um, we get fed every week. We hang out at bars. I love eating together. I love the banter. Whether that's eating or drinking or spending time together. Everybody is passionate about Jesus which is good. You can really feel God's presence there. You can dance around and sing free, whatever you like. You can't really just attend Kennington. You have to kind of be part of it. You have to show up um, for it to happen, which I quite like. It's not just about a meeting and about a service, but it's about being community and bringing our whole lives together before God. Planting kingdom rather than a service or like doing church for the sake of doing church. And we're kind of small enough to be able to make friends quite easily, forward slash we need friends. <laughs> Lots of events that we can invite our non-Christian friends to. Create a space that people who aren't familiar with church could come into and feel like they have something to contribute, so that they could share on something. So we do a lot of stuff in the community. Saving the poor. And doing that as a body of people following Jesus. I love it. I just really love it. I don't think Thank you very much. Bye. Yay. Nice. See, great crowd, great crowd. So we've been asking, what would it look like for us um, to make intentional choices? So we have a rule of life that we're trying to live by. So we have rhythms in our lives that we try and do. So we pray each day. We gather twice a week. So we do Sunday gatherings at the minute. We do every other Sunday. And we sit around a table, and there's candles, and there's cheese and wine. It's very classy. And uh, we've kind of been playing with uh, liturgy and using some of the old prayers and contemplation, spirituality, kind of as a way to practice the ways of Jesus. We worship. We break bread and do communion together. We have conversations. Our meetings are very discussion-based. We love that everyone can bring something. You can open up the text, and anyone can have an opinion. One of my first friends in Vauxhall has started coming along. She texted me being like, are you doing, still doing that church thing? I'm looking for something spiritual in my life. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, come along. Great, it's going to be great. And we just opened up the Bible and like, what strikes you? And she was one of the first people to speak. It's such a great place people who anyone can have an opinion on anything. And she just comes and she shares. And she says that um, she's found a space that she can engage with faith that feels inclusive and unjudgmental and anyone's welcome and that's amazing for me. We try and uh, make room for silence and we try in the noise of London we try and make space for community and we eat together at least like once a month because everyone can eat and everyone likes to eat and we just chat and that's when relationships are made. Uh, we don't really run compassion projects but we're involved in our local food banks and we're involved in serving and gathering for them and we help out the local homeless shelter recently and so we do things to serve and to have compassion um, and we want to have creativity in our area, we want to bring it to life and so we started doing a storytelling night last Monday and a guy came along because he saw like a flyer on the wall of Tesco Metro and came along and we got chatting and we've been doing some, involved in some open mic stuff 
And so it looks like bringing a bit of creativity and life to our area. And so there's stories I could share, but it's also still like we're in the works of things. We're still trying to work out what this looks like for us. We're still thinking about what does, uh, what's next. And so... Uh, We just want to be God's hands and feet in whatever way that looks in however he chooses to bring restoration to Kennington. And at the minute, that looks like Sunday gatherings and it looks like breaking bread and having meals. It looks like storytelling nights and open mics and serving the poor and then doing our jobs and finding ways to bring the kingdom wherever we are. It's in the small things and it's in the big things. I still don't quite know what we're doing. But we're trying to learn about liturgy and uh, how we can make the best service that helps engage people who don't know God. We're thinking about in a city as large as London uh, and as transient and expensive as it is, how we can make long-term commitments to an area we could be priced out of. We're wondering about what does it look like to be a group of people committed to a rhythm of life, that in the midst of all the chaos of certainly London to have structure and some uh, patterns to our life can help us. We've been wondering about um, what would shared living look like? Where London's so expensive and people, family looks so many different ways and people are living together longer and longer. What would it look like to have a really intentional community of people living in an area and doing life together? What could that look like? I've been thinking about how when you make sandwiches and pouring pints, you get to know so many people and through good businesses can completely change and rejuvenate an area. And so we're looking at and planning what could that look, for, look like for us? What could a really great coffee shop or bakery or event space in Kennington that we ran do in our, in our community? And so I'm working as a barista and I'm learning as a cafe manager to learn those skills to think, how can we apply this to what's happening in Kennington? And so we're praying, praying about that, about what could a really good business that trained and equipped people have an impact in transforming a community? Because it's the kingdom of God and it all counts. And so still most of the time it feels a little like failure. And it doesn't really feel like church planting, although it does look a little bit like church. And it's not the, the usual things you do. And some of it feels familiar and some of it feels awkward. And it's always the shoulds versus the kids. And it's still slow and it's still steady and it's beautiful. And there's a group of us. And Jesus. And a boat. And the boat's a bit bigger now. And we're off on the seas again. On this new phase of adventure over what this could be next. And so then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you.